13 as we journey through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Luke chapter 16, we'll pick it up in verse 1. So also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and he said unto him, what is it that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be a steward. And then the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my master has taken away my stewardship from me? I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. And I have resolved, this is what I'll do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And so he called one of the master's debtor to him. And he said unto him, How much do you owe my master? And so he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, well, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, well, take your bill and write 80. And so the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. He said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust these true riches. And if you've been faithful in what another man has, who will give you to what you owe? Now note with me, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees were lovers of money, and also heard these things, and they derided or mocked him. And so he said unto them, You are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now the law and the prophets were until John, but since that time the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone presses in. Note with me, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. And lastly, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. But whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband also commits adultery. Father, we thank you for our time today. We thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that it would accomplish its purposes. We pray, Lord, for our president. And we pray for his wife and his aide and those who have been contracted COVID. And so, Lord, we just pray for their family and those in the administration that you would just give them strength and get back to work as soon as possible. We thank you, Lord, for our time. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, minister to us, encourage us, and strengthen us by your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
He also said to his disciples, a certain rich man had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Last week, we looked at the parable of the prodigal son, the wasteful son. And now he had wasted the inheritance in which God had given him. Well, today, Jesus continues that theme on the idea of wasting that which the master has given. And you might think to yourself, why did you go down to the marriage and divorce? Anyone else thinking that or was just in my head? I think a lot of things in my head. I disagree with myself in my head. Do you do that? Uh, Well, don't. It's dangerous. So we're going to talk about wasteful living. Last week, wasteful living. This week, wasteful not only of time and finances, but also relationships can be wasted. And then, Lord willing, next week, we'll look at Lazarus and the rich man. Before we even dive into it, I want to make this point because it's interesting in verse 1, it says there was a certain rich man. And then in verse 19, it says there was a certain rich man. Now, that would lead us to believe that they're kind of tied together. Do you see that? And in the middle of the, is this point that he wants to make. But nowhere in here, by the way, if you, does your Bible, you might have on the headline or the title, the parable of the, the dishonest ma- manager or steward. Jesus doesn't say it's a parable. Nor does he say Lazarus and the rich man is a parable. Now, that's interesting to me that Jesus would use possibly Give me a little leeway. Possibly what was going on in the day. Maybe Jesus even heard of this rich guy that had this steward and look what he did. And it kind of became a little bit of news around the area. And then then next week we'll see that it wasn't a parable at all. That people maybe knew who this, this Lazarus and the rich man was. And so we get into this. There was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought against him that this man was wasting his goods. So from last week, again, in the prodigal and the older son, we saw two people were wasting. One was wasting what his father had given him. The other was had a wasteful heart. Remember, he had a hard heart. He didn't even want to talk to his brother. And then later on, having that difficult conversation with his father. But this chapter is going to emphasize the truth that life is a stewardship. And we must use the God-given opportunities and the relationships that he brings into our life for the purposes of his kingdom, that we use them faithfully and not on wasted, wanting life. And I want you to note that because In the middle of that, Jesus brings up the religious leaders who we will see have totally wasted what God has given them and their position and what the Lord wanted to do through the Jewish nation. So for our purposes today, we need to remember this, that this steward is using his present situation, although bad, to secure his future. Now, how about you, but... 2020 has been kind of a bummer year. Anybody else? Like, what could get any better than this year or worse? And by the way, isn't anyone else a little curious that our president just happened to get COVID after he... You got to understand, this guy has been around more people than you and I have done in eight months, and he just got it? Or the senators who are about to confirm just got it? Oh, it's just me. Isn't that a little 
crazy? Do you see what the government has done to us? We question everything now. Good. Before we were sheep, no longer. What does that have to do today? Nothing. And, but we will get into voting today. It's in here. We'll get into that. So there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought against him. And I want you to see this, that he is wasting his goods. So we have a master and we have a steward that has placed in the steward's hand items. Now, it just happened to be goods, but we could say it's time, it's finances, as well as relationships. And God is going to hold us accountable for not only what we do for him, how we give back to him, by the way, just right out of the gate, everything that you have is from God. You're not as special as you think. Look how talented I got. I did this all. I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. The Bible says God gives to each one those riches. We, we like to think we're that great. I know I'm not that great. Anybody else? There's about four of us. The rest of you are lying. We think that we're this, we've done it, we've built this company, we, no, it is God's grace that you have what you have. Well, the Christian who knows that faster then is able then to give to the purposes of God. Again, not just finances, but time, as well as the relationships. Listen, God's, you're, you're going to stand before God and he's going, I brought this person into your life and you never listened to them at all. And they were there specifically to pour into your life. You wasted that opportunity. We often talk about money as being wasted, and it is a big waste. We used to say oftentimes, you know somebody's heart by their checkbook. Do you remember that? The kids are like, what's a checkbook? They're Googling it right now. (laughs) Now we say, we know what your heart is based on your app. Oh, there it is. I was going through all my scroll pages on my phone to find my app, right? So we can look into your bank account and see where your heart is. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So Jesus is really today, in the first service, I was looking at them as I was talking about that. You could just see everybody's countenance. It's like, oh, this is kind of a heavy section today. Jesus is kind of rebuking us for what we do or don't do. And so he called and he said to him, verse 2, What is that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be my steward. Please note with me, the master knows everything. Everything will be revealed. Mike and I have a little uh, podcast and some videos we've done, the roundtable chat. One will be coming up again. And the, the verse for that is that everything will be brought to the light. Everything will be brought to the light. The FBI will be brought to the light. The CIA will be brought, everything will be revealed and it, it dribbles out, right? It drabs out little bit by here. Everything will be revealed. And the steward is now standing before the master and having to give an account for his laziness in that which God for our purposes, have given us. And so, verse 3, then the steward said within himself, what shall, (laughs) I mean, think about this. You think everything's fine, everything's going fine, and all of a sudden, 
wham, COVID. Kids can't graduate. Businesses are being shut down. I just heard a new statistic from New York. Now it's even higher than 50% of the restaurants will close. That'll never come back ever. And you've got all of these businesses, all of these people who are hurting. <laughs> Not Washington, D.C. at all. But you've got people that are really hurting. So what happens when you're faced with the 2020? What do we do with that? Well, God allows sometimes for us to be sitting right there and say, notice verse 3, what shall I do? He says, for my master is taking away the stewardship for me. (laughs) I love this. I can't dig. Probably this guy's just a wee bit older. He says, I can't dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I don't know what to do. And then he says in verse 4, I have resolved what to do. Listen, I know what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses, and he'll talk about that in a second. So his future all of a sudden becomes real to him. It's real that, hey, my future is uncertain, so what do I do about it right now? I was talking to someone in between services, and listen, there are some benefits to COVID. I know it's shocking, but it reveals people's priority as well. People are faced with death as well. What are you going to do? Where are you going to spend eternity? I I pray today that everybody in the room knows Jesus Christ, but the odds are not. You got dragged here by a family member or a friend, and they said, come to church, and then I'll pick up your BLT after. And you're sitting here, and you don't know this Christ that I'm talking about. Half of the stuff I just said went in one year and out the other. But you're sitting here, and it's an opportunity for you. Do you know that God is going to show you this film in heaven? If you reject the message, he's going to put my face on the jumbo screen, and we don't want that (laughs) at all, (laughs) except Christ. So COVID in 2020 is this time where It's a big old pause. What are you going to do about your eternity? What happens if you get it? I mean, listen, for the most part, 99% of the people survive. But we've heard of people that are healthy that were 30 and died of it. Kind of strange, isn't it? So we don't really know. It is an opportunity like this. His future all of a sudden becomes real to him. And he goes, Uh uh-oh, I've been wasting my life not preparing for the future. That's where we are. What are we doing as followers of Christ? Are we sending those things ahead to heaven where your heart there uh, is, there your treasures will be also? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you? What am I sending ahead? What building materials is God using in heaven on my home? But for this man and for a lot of us, his future all of a sudden became real. And so he kind of comes with this, up with this idea. Let's read it, verse 5 and 6. So he called one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And so he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take your bill and sit down and write 50. 
Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And so he said unto him, take your, your bill and write 80. The dishonest steward is praiseworthy, as we'll see in a minute, on a couple of points. Number one, he knew he would be called to account for his life, and he took it seriously. Now he has to stand before the boss. So too, you and I as believers... We have to give an account of what God has blessed us with. Christians should take seriously the idea that we will give an account. Oh, not for salvation. Amen? That's all. It's second service. Not for salvation. Amen? Amen. First service was, they were doing good today. Can't blame the day. Not salvation. This is not a salvation issue. This is what he gives after salvation. What has he blessed you with now that you are a follower of Christ? Got that? This is not salvation. This steward isn't getting kicked out of heaven. Don't send me emails. This is (laughs) because I get them. He didn't talk about that. It's not a salvation issue. Secondly, he took advantage, again, of the present position to arrange his future. So faced with, (laughs) uh uh-oh, no show of hands. How many of you got, you turned 50 and you realized you had no retirement plan? Uh-oh. Like people right now are calling their broker. That's a reality. A lot of people get to that place like, uh-oh, I didn't think I was going to make it this far. Now what do I do? Well, now you got to play catch up or you got to put more money away to get that what you would thought uh, even in my own life, I was at that position. I thought, man, I thought the rapture would happen by now. <laughs> Anyone else? I wasn't getting that retirement plan. Now i got that retirement plan. I'm a little older right now. And it may happen, guys. Christ could come. I tell you, you know what the October surprise I really want? Is the trumpet to blow and the, the church to be taken out. That's what I would love. But it could be next year, it could be five years, it could be 20 years. Jesus says, occupy till I come. Means we've got to be a little smarter than we've been doing. And so he he hatches this whole plan and he gets it together. But notice verse 8. You would think that the master would yell at him, but the master commended him. He commended the unjust or the lazy servant because he had dealt, he says, for the sons of the world, that means pagans, unsaved people, are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. How stinging is that? That Jesus says the pagans got themselves organized better than the church. Sad, isn't it? 35 million Christians do not vote. That's a lot of people who don't vote. California is the way that California is, and I escaped it, I should know, because the church did not vote. We talk about the dumbest things in the church. We argue over the dumbest things. Should we sprinkle? Should we immerse? Should we have chairs or pews or stained glass 
or steeples or organs or guitars or heaven forbid drums? Should we wear suits or ties or hair or length for ladies? Is that a salvation issue? None of it. Should we vote? Absolutely. We are in the position we are. I was thinking of this coming in this morning. It was one of those, like, you ever thought of something for a long time, but then you thought, oh, no, it really applies right now? And I thought about how many nations around the world don't have what we have. I mean, think about this. Of course, China could tell the church, which it does. There really is no church like we know. But Japan or the Philippines or Mexico or Venezuela or the United Kingdom could shut down churches permanently. They don't have a First Amendment. They don't have a right to assemble. When I was over in England last year, actually a year ago, I was talking to one of the guys, and we were just talking about the differences between the U.S. and the U.K., and I said, listen, I'll tell you, the, the biggest difference is we have the right to not only uh, have a grievance against the government, but we have the right to protest, not the right to riot or burn down your neighborhood. You don't have that right. You don't have the right to destroy, but what you do say, our founders gave us the ability to have a grievance against the government. No other nation has that. No other nation has the right for you to write an article on a blog and it be there. Whether or not Facebook bans you or not, that's censorship. But we have that right. We have the right to right now meet together. Not because man gave us the law to do it, but because God gave us the ability. The Constitution, which is not taught in any government school to the place that it's a benefit, says we the people. So if we the people are the ones who put these people into office, shouldn't we actually vote then? Made this a couple of times, and I will continue to make this for the next couple of weeks that you are not voting for a man, you're voting for a platform. It is a set of ideas and a path. Do you want pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-protecting your family, or do you want anti-everything? It's real simple. Don't get into this, I can't handle that guy, that woman who is running. It's what, are, what is their platform that they're saying? And, I, and again, I was thinking about this. We're not living in the day of JFK, of Eisenhower. When you voted for a man and his, th- those days are long gone. We don't have that. We vote for a platform in a direction. It is very simple this year. The problem is, listen, The sons of disobedience, the pagans do a much better job of organizing than the church does. And Jesus just called us out on that. Anybody else feel like black, that pink? And I don't want to call out anybody, but you better vote. Because you don't get to complain on Wednesday that you didn't do it on Tuesday. Amen? 
Nobody in California who didn't vote gets to complain that Newsom is an Newsolini, as my son calls him. <laughs> You'll get that later if you didn't get it. You don't get to complain if you're the church in California if you didn't vote. And you don't get to complain if your church didn't promote voting. You don't get to do that. We the people is such an important phrase that Jesus rebukes us and he says they're doing it better than we are. They're better organized than we are. Jesus says, do what they do in a biblical way. Have a biblical path, a path of hope. Guys, get involved. My son and I were out putting out um, candidate signs yesterday and the week before we... What have we spent now, Mike? About eight hours total putting out. I, I've discovered I'm not young. And jumping over ditches, I, I, whew, we got it. But the problem is Micah had to like drop a pin every time we put, so I didn't know how to do that either, so I figured I'll do the signs. But now we need more people in the vehicle because dad just has to drive. <laughs> Volunteer for a candidate. Volunteer for a group. You don't get to complain if you don't get involved. And Jesus, I think, rightly rebukes us. He says they're doing it better than we are. Well, let's keep going. He says, I say to you, make friends for yourself of unrighteous mammon. What does that mean? Jesus says, listen, they know how to use money. Yes, money is a tool. Oh, it's the root of all kinds of evil, but it's not evil in itself. Again, what are we using our finances for? Make friends for yourself of unrighteous man, that when you fail, they may receive you into your everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. Also, he who is unjust in what is Least is unjust and much. And the idea here is the same guy that's faithful and least will also be faithful and much. It's the same. Therefore, if you have, been, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, man, who will commit to your trust these riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, no servant can serve two masters. And this is just, Jesus has made mention of this in other portions in the Gospels. He says, for either you will hate one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. Here it is, you're underlining. You cannot serve God and mammon. No show of hands, how many of you have tried that? How frustrating is it? For the most part, when I see that people try to do both, Mammon or money wins. Typically, that's what it is. It's that pull away. By the way, has anyone seen that YouTube video or uh, what uh, Veritas Group did, uh, the, um, the election ballot scam that's going on by Ilhan Ilmar up in Minnesota? It's on tape. Anybody see that right now? Actual ballot harvesting, actual fraud. She won't go to jail, unfortunately. <laughs> but the guy that was working for her said in the beginning of the video, 
money is everything, and if you don't have it, why are you here? And I thought, oh my gosh, someone was honest. That's a pagan, an unbeliever, and he was telling you what is the truth on planet Earth. Aside from Jesus, money is truly everything. Because money is behind everything. Possibly even behind COVID. You cannot serve God and mammon. But what you can't do is serve God and use mammon, use money for the purposes of the kingdom of God or sending that thing forward. Before we leave this section, so is it about finances? Yeah. This is not a tithing message. We're not shutting the doors and doing a double dip Sunday. But it is for you to check your own heart. Where am I spending my finances? Because we're going to see where am I spending the responsibility that he gave me and then where am I spending my relationship responsibilities. Well, can you imagine hearing that teaching if you are a religious leader in verse 14? Now, the Pharisees who were, don't you love Luke, doesn't sugarcoat it at all, calls them lovers of money, get <laughs> right out of the gate. Luke, you're, you're, that's not good. That's not you're going to get in trouble for that. You're going to get, like, banned off Facebook. You can't be telling the truth, can you, if it's outside of the narrative? These guys were lovers of money. Also, <laughs> they heard all things, and they derided him. Well, again, we don't use that word derided. It means to mock, to shame cancel culture. They wanted to cancel Jesus. He would be off Facebook and YouTube right now. He would have that icon that said banned. Jesus banned. Offensive language. Isn't that kind of funny? Jesus wouldn't make it very far on social media. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. The religious leaders professed to trust God. They professed to love him, and they professed to want to see people come into relationship with him, and they failed in that. The Jewish nation was established so that God would work through his people, the Jewish people, to bring us the word that you're holding in your hands, Messiah as well. To tell people around the world that God has a plan for their life. And yet they went in a different direction. They thought because they were the sons of Abraham (laughs) that they were too good for us Gentiles. And they failed to give us the message of hope. That's why Jesus, have you ever, when you're reading the Gospels, realize, Jesus, that's a little harsh against those guys. They got robes and high hats. They're religious. Jesus don't care because he knows what's in their heart. Just like us, we can come to church. And Jesus says, yeah, but I know what's in your heart. You can outwardly look religious. Oh, you can have a bumper sticker and a Christian dog but that doesn't get you to heaven, right? 
Paul even says this. He talks about a Jew is one who is not one outwardly, but inwardly. was reading with my kids in Deuteronomy how in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the Jews to have a heart that is circumcised. That means removing flesh. You're not a Jew because it's outwardly, but inwardly. There's an inward change. As a, as a Christian, I, I, it's just funny that I, someone said this to me in first service. We were talking about this certain religion that I won't go into, but they're in Italy. You'll have to figure that out. One. And we were going back, and I said, eh. I'm kind of like, stop using the word Christian today because everybody uses it. It's more I'm a follower of Christ. This word Christian just gets bounced back and forth by politicians and media and everybody. I'm a follower of Christ, which means I, I actually want to do what he says for my life. Do you? Christian's way too easy to throw out there. These men missed an opportunity, and they wasted the opportunity. That's why Jesus rebuked them so harshly. He continues. He says, I just want to watch video of every altercation between Jesus and the religious leaders. Like, I just, I want, all right. I want to see creation and Noah building the boat. That's pretty cool. All right, the Tower of Babel, Jericho, and, and Goliath, and... But don't you want to watch every interaction with Jesus and these Pharisees who thought that they were pious and that God was, uh, that they were right with God? And Jesus goes, you guys aren't right with him. He says, you are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart for what is highly, listen, 2020 social media. (laughs) Oh, For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the eyes of God. What man elevates, God says, that doesn't mean anything to me. Nothing. I could care less how many followers you have, how many likes you have, how many selfies you have, how many what Twitter tweets or everything you have. And listen, we use social media so that we can get the message out to the generation that uses social media. It's a tool. But I don't let let that social media dictate my life. I can put it down and, wait for it, turn it off. It has an off button. You can do that. Have a media fast. Turn it off. Now I just blew a couple of kids' mind. Know with me that it's, that they try to justify themselves. And yet God says he knows their heart. When you serve another master, it is impossible to justify yourself before God, no matter what men think. No matter how you try to justify God, I need to do this or that. He says, no, you can't. You can't do that. Men may honor you because of your wealth and your public display of spirituality, but God knows who you really are. Even Saul of Tarsus who became Paul. Man, he said, when I got to covetousness in the Ten Commandments, he said, that one slew me. It killed me because I, he says, I was a Jew of a Jew. He was the model of a Jew. He came to that covetousness and he knew he'd blown it. 
He says, for the law and the prophets were until John since the time the kingdom of God had been preached. And everyone is pressing in. Now, note with me here what Jesus says, because it is red letters. All right, second service. You know this stuff is recorded now. When did the Old Testament stop? It says it right here. With who? John the Baptist. So John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. So it goes from our Italian prophet, Malachi. Come on, this is all I got. I have very few biblical jokes. So we go from there, we have a 400-year gap, and then we have John the Baptist. And he is the last. Note what Jesus says here. Please note with me what Jesus says. There is a whole movement now going on, and I'm quite, um, not that I'm shocked by this movement, but I'm interested in this movement. And it is a resurgence in um, Christians wanting, wanting to be Jews. I don't get what's going on lately, but I see this more and more. Like, they won't go to church, but they want to follow the law and the dietary. And then I just want to say, there are 600 of those laws. And Jesus says, you have to fulfill them all to be righteous. Go ahead. I'll be over here watching. But it's interesting that I see this resurgence. Maybe, maybe you might see it. People who want to follow the dietary laws. I love bacon. For the bacon people, thank you. So he says that, that the law and the prophets, they stop with John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached or fulfilled. Jesus said all of the law and the prophets are fulfilled in the Sermon on the Mount. He says that it's done. Therefore, as believers in Jesus Christ on this side of the cross, we no longer are beholden to the Old Testament law. Does everyone get that? Philippians 2 talks about that. Colossians, Galatians. Think about how many books had to be written by the Spirit because the Spirit knew what would come up. Hebrews says that Jesus is better than the law. And yet people still want to go back to it. He says, note with me, it's been preached and everyone is pressing in. Now, you may not see this, what Jesus is saying, but it's beautiful. Because in the Old Testament, you were never allowed to press in. You couldn't get close to the mountain of God. They coned it off. He said, if you go over the cone, you die. If an animal goes over, you die. You come close to the temple, to the holy holies, you die. That's kind of like standoffish, isn't it? You might even get leprosy if you get too close. Now, there's a reason why that is. God wanted to show the separation between the holy and the profane. That's, sorry, that, that's us, the sinner. But what is Jesus saying now? If nothing else today, be rejoiced in what Jesus says. Now we press in. Now you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Isn't that good news? Now it's not this angry God behind a, a veil or a temple or on a mountain with lightning and thunder. Now we can come to Jesus. We can press in. But they missed that. 
They wasted an opportunity to press in. You see, the theme is wasted. And it's not the wasted that you thought from the 60s. Notice, oh, you'll get that too later. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than from one tittle of the law to fail. Jesus said, it's all done. There is no more that is needed. There is no new revelation of Jesus Christ, no matter what they think in Utah. There is no new revelation. Man doesn't come up with something. Popes aren't revealed anything new. It's done and finished. This is it. Then you might ask yourself, why does he put in verse 18? Was it Peter standing on the side said, Jesus, stretch it out. We got to fill. Put something in there. And then he just talks about marriage and divorce. No, it's all tied together. Let's see. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. Keep your place here. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 2. And as you are turning, let me say this to you. This is not a message to beat you up over divorce. If you have been divorced, this is, that's not this message. I'm not telling you to divorce the current person to go back to the first one. or Because some people are all like on four or five. So let's not even go there. Amen. There is grace and we need to see that. And even if you did it in an unbiblical way, don't change where you are right now. Paul later on says, listen, if you're a slave, wherever you are, stay that. If you're free, be free. If you're poor, stay. If you're rich, he says, be content with where you are. So this is not a message for me to say to you, you were dumb, you blew it, and now you have to go back. That's not what this is. This is in context of a wasted life. Got it? Now, as a biblical principle, it's always important whatever the topic is, to find where it is first in the Bible. And most of the time, it's in the first book of Genesis. Let's take a look at it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where did I go? Uh, 21. Genesis 2, 21. I should have marked it. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam... And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up its flesh and its place. And then the rib in which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. Now, in the beginning of this chapter, which we don't have a whole long time left today to get into it, but, but here's Adam. He's sitting wherever he is sitting and, and God is bringing all of the animal kingdom in front of him <laughs> He is naming them. I don't know where he got duckbill platypus from or hippopotamus. How does he name these? But whatever, that's what he named them and God named them that. But what God was trying to show Adam was, okay, here is Mr. and Mrs. Rhinoceros. Here is Mr. and Miss Horse and Dog. Adam, are you picking up anything? (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to see this video? A guy clueless. I know that's a shock. <laughs> there he is. He's sitting there. He's trying to figure it out. And he's not figuring it out. 
But he knew <laughs> that it, uh, uh, in verse 18, it says, it's, it's not good that man should be alone. In Genesis, God is saying that man needs human touch. That's why it's important that the church come together. Don't forsake the assembly of the body of believers. This is a tactile relationship. It's hard to do it on a screen. We're happy we can do that. We're happy for those listening on the radio and over the We're blessed. But this is a relationship of Christ. And it goes back to Genesis. So here Adam is. He ain't got it figured out. And so the Lord, because you have to do that in verse 21, because if you don't got it figured out, he got to put you to sleep. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Pause. This is Pastor Ron's um, relationship advice. Everybody got it? You're wanting a spouse? Good thing. Ask God to bring a deep sleep upon you until he brings the person for you. I did this in my own life. I had come back to the Lord, was serving him, was in a position of authority as an assistant pastor doing youth ministry, and I really wanted to just focus in on what God was calling me to do at that moment. Lord, I just want to serve you. And I had this conversation with God, and kind of a little crazy conversation, but I just said, Lord, you know what? I don't want to focus in on woman right now, but if that's what you have for me, She's going to have to hit me with her car. So I know. And without the hitting of the car, that's basically what happened. As I was serving the Lord and doing these things, here's this woman that comes alongside and wants to do the same thing. I didn't seek her out. God brought my bride. (laughs) And I was in a sleep because I wanted to focus on what God was doing. God knows the desires of your heart, amen? If you're single, he knows. Don't worry about that. And maybe God doesn't want that for you, or he does. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But I know that this verse speaks to me and hopefully to all young men right now. Listen, don't seek after it, young women. Don't seek after it. Let the Lord bring it in his timing. Because if we do what the world does, It just gets messy, doesn't it? And if we date like the world, our heart gets broken to that person and that person and that person and a little bit here and a little bit there. And then you wind up in a relationship and you're 85%. I mean, really. If we can't talk real in church, why are we here? No show of hands. Would Would you agree with me? that you should have just waited? Sad, isn't it? Because those who are bringing baggage in, you bring expectations in, false expectations. It's funny if we just listen to the Lord, isn't it? Well, let's get back to this is really good. And I want to see this video. Then the Lord caused a deep sleep, and he took one of his ribs. And then the rib, verse 22, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now, what was he doing before? 
Do you see the context? Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. wakes up. Do you see that? Let's, let's see what he says. <laughs> now, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He realizes that she is like him. She looks like a human. <laughs> and she shall be called, whoa! Man, she's hot. That's how she got her name, woman. Because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, here it is. It's marriage right here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked and the man and his wife. Notice they were not ashamed in marriage. That's beautiful. We don't even have time to get into that. That's what God designed before the fall. This is before sin enters into the equation. It is God saying later, what God has joined together, let no man tear asunder or break apart. Marriage is a commitment that isn't promoted today as this lifelong to death do you what? Do you part? By the way, did you see something in here that is very offensive to the modern day movement? There is a male and a two genders in Genesis. God's not confused. You may be, but he ain't. And he knows what he created. And it's beautiful in his sight. And he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life in the gender he created. Don't let the world change your gender. God knows what he was doing because he doesn't make mistakes. Let's turn back to Luke 16. Oh, I could have gone off there. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. They were wasting their relationship because in Malachi, it tells us specifically that the priest and the religious leaders were mistreating the wife of their youth. You know, we often think that we're in this modern world. We got lots of uh, divorces and remarriage and, uh, and obviously during COVID, it is spiked another consequence of closures. But in this day, in Jesus, it was rampant as well. They had two arguments going on. When could you divorce your wife? Well, one side said if she burned the breakfast. And the other side said, no, no, it's only for sexual immorality. And here, here's what's interesting. Jesus actually sides with, the other, with this side, the sexual immorality. He, he makes mention of that. Paul makes mention of one other time and one other exception, an abandonment in Corinthians, like one spouse abandons the other. And I add into the abandonment or not caring also physical abuse. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you need to be a punching bag. And please let us know because we might want to do some punching ourselves with love. Remember, it's the body of Christ who takes care of the body of Christ. 
That's what's biblical. So really, there isn't very much wiggle room for divorce. That is why, before you come up here and stand before me at a wedding, you need to, you need to make sure who you are marrying. And it's not for looks or not for this. Don't you wish there was a program that could advance the age on somebody and go, do you really want to get into this? <laughs> Most of it are like, what is that? <laughs> to death to us part in sickness and in health. If you made that commitment, you didn't make it just before me. You made it before God. And he will hold you accountable. Like he's holding the religious leaders accountable for what we have done with relationships. And again, I, I don't want to end today because that's where we're ending on a bummer for those who have maybe had divorce in their life or remarried and you're on two or three and what. That is, I'm not here to make any kind of statement. I'm simply saying what Jesus is saying in red letters is be careful before you get into anything. That even means before you accept Jesus Christ into your life, know the fine print, which is you and I are a target as soon as we accept Jesus Christ. There are going to be battles and there are going to be problems in your marriage. Your kids won't obey. Shocking. You got kid problems today? You're like, no. You will. You don't know what life is like unless you have five kids throwing up at one time in your house. <laughs> That's life. You think your kids, you raise them and, no. Kids all are free moral agents. I wish they wouldn't be that until 18. <laughs> if I just throw it out, a suggestion to God. But they're all free moral agents. They're all little sinners. Like we were. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord. Oh, they may depart for 40 years. We pray they would come back. Last week we were praying for prodigals. You might have a prodigal. You might have a divorce and remarriage issue in your life that the enemy keeps bringing up over and over in your heart that you did not do it biblically. Settle it today with the Lord. You don't have to go back. You don't have to divorce this one to go back to the... Just settle it today with the Lord. He's ready to forgive you and start you on a new path. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, the enemy wants to give us condemnation, but not the Lord. Did you do wrong? Probably. Did I do wrong? Pro yeah, all the time. We all are sinners. Divorce just happens to be a sin. It's a Did I say it? Did I offend people? It's a sin. So is lying, lying and cheating and the, the rest of them. But it's not a sin that is the unpardonable sin. That's the rejection of Jesus. Be encouraged today not to waste money, time, opportunity of the religious leaders or the relationships that God gives you. Men cherish the wife of your youth. For the most part, men... Most of the relationship problems in our home, it's because of us. 
and our failures as the, the men to lead the homes. Women naturally want to have a strong leader in their home. It's what God built into you. And when that doesn't happen, nature hates a vacuum. And so someone will rise up. Men, repent. Do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Take control of your family and your spiritual family home. That's your responsibility, not your wife's. Oh, she's got a litany of stuff to do. It's here, I've read it. But we've got it too. Jesus says we can misuse relationships. I'm so glad he wrote that in Malachi. Men, do not despise the wife of your youth. Amen? (laughs) The, The wives are like, amen! Did you hear them? We're picking up that CD and taking it home. All right, read ahead next week. Very exciting if the Lord doesn't come. We're going to talk about the rich man and Lazarus, and it won't be a parable. Jesus is saying this is real. I had a guy email me. I don't even know how long ago that was. Months, like when we first started in Luke, and he says, I can't wait till you get to Luke 16 and talk about the rich man and Lazarus. I'm like, that's a weird thing to ask. But now I realize that. He was wanting to know if it was a parable or not, or if it was real. Oh, it's real. Read ahead next week, Wednesday night in Chronicles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your mighty word that's powerful. It's alive. Father, that we would repent. Lord, that we would ask for forgiveness for the wasted money, time, opportunity, and wasted relationships. The opportunity, Lord, that you give us on planet earth before we get to heaven. Lord, that we would use 2020, uh, this opportunity to know where our future is, where we will spend eternity. Lord, who we will spend it with, that's you. So Lord, that you would create in our hearts cleanness, remove the things of the world. Father, let's not worry about impressing man. But Lord, that you would be well pleased with our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we are gathered together as the body of Christ, that you have called us to gather together. Lord, that we would obey you and not man. Father, we would do our civic duty to vote and to vote for a platform and ideas, not for death, not for destruction, but for freedom to continue what we are doing. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for even this beautiful, cloudy day. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Please. We trust in you and not in man. We do all this in your son's precious name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand.